everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Entree Pastors Podcast. This is going to be part two in a little mini-series where we are focusing on the subject of new wineskins. And if you are confused about what a wineskin is, please go back and listen to part one of this series, yesterday's episode. I'm not going to take the time to unpack all of that. In this four-part mini-series, I'm basically sharing four truths or statements about old wineskins. We don't want to be that if we're pastors and leaders in the church. It is not a compliment if somebody calls you an old wineskin. There's nothing good about that. Um, according to Jesus's metaphor that he was sharing in Luke chapter 5, an old wineskin is something that has become rigid. It's not capable of handling the new, and we serve a God of the new. So we don't ever want to become so rigid and stuck in place of the way things have always been. We want to stay pliable. We want to stay flexible. We want to stay yielded and moldable to God changing, not his message, not his timeless truths, but the strategies, the methodologies for how we show up. And this has a direct implication to the message that we share regularly at Entree Pastors because we recognize we are going against the grain a little bit. When I get into pastor groups on Facebook and I share you know, ideas or thoughts or questions and get discussions started that are pointing people down this pathway of the Entree Pastors model, uh, I get way more pushback negative than I get positive most of the time. And to be clear, I do get some positive responses from some of you, but uh, there are many who do not see it that way. And so yesterday, quick review, the first thing we said yesterday about old wineskins is that they fail to recognize a new move of God. And I'll say it again, I believe God is on the move in our culture today. I believe the church of tomorrow is going to look radically different than the church of yesterday. Not in terms of its core doctrine and its core message, but in terms of how the church shows up, how ministry is done, what it actually looks like. And um, and I'm excited about that. I don't claim to know what all of that means or what it's all going to look like. I just think things are going to look different in the future than they did in the past. And I am not going to be fighting a battle to keep things looking the same as they did in church when I grew up in the late 70s, the early 80s, through the 90s. Like I'm not fighting for that. I'm grateful for the heritage that I had, and there's some fond memories I have about what it was like to be in the church back then, and yet I am not trying to recreate that for my generation or for following generations. Like I'm willing and open to new ideas and new ways of the church being done. I don't want to be the old wineskin that fails to recognize a new move of God. All right, let's get into today's topic that I want to talk about. The second statement I'm going to make about old wineskins is that old wineskins reject disruptive ideas and methodologies. They they reject them. And and by the way, I want to focus on that word disruptive. I like things that are disruptive most of the time, maybe not always. Um, but in business, I love disruptive models. I love things that come into an established arena and break some rules and say, we're challenging the status quo. I know this is how we've always done it up to this point. We're going to do it differently. And then you see an entire industry upended where this new disruptive model comes in. It keeps things fresh, man. It keeps things uh, alive and, and evolving and changing. And I love that. And I would contend that Jesus Christ of all people was a disruptive 
character. Think about this. Jesus Christ stepped into the scene of a religious establishment that had been pretty well, a rut had been worn there in terms of the traditions of men that had been added to and added to and added to and so much heaped upon the shoulders of everyday normal people and the religious leaders weren't doing a blessed thing to help them. They were just weighing them down with all of their religious traditions and rules and rigidness. And then here comes this disruptive person by the name of Jesus announcing the kingdom of heaven that completely disregarded all of their traditions or most of their traditions and their man-made rules and all of the things that they held near and dear and valued. Jesus turned it upside down on its head so much to the point that they wanted to kill him and they succeeded in having him killed. Jesus was a disruptor and old wineskins don't like disruptors. Let's bring that into the world of pastoring in the church. One of the things when I get into these groups of pastors on Facebook and I share disruptive ideas or things that go against the grain, it is the old wineskins, the old crusty wineskins that start speaking out first and the loudest and the meanest and the biggest bullies um, because old wineskins don't like disruptive ideologies or ideas and methodologies. So what might some of those disruptive ideas look like in our season of church in the world in which we live? What are some statements or thoughts or ideas that might be seen as disruptive? Like, hey, you're breaking the rule if you lean into that. That's not how we do things. That's not how we do church. These are in no particular order. This is just after me sitting down for a few minutes and doing a little journaling on this. But I have a few I'll share with you, and then we'll probably run out of time. But let's start with this one. It's one of the founding ideas that uh, that Entree Pastors is built upon we reject the narrative of the starving pastor. That is in direct, that is on a collision course with the religious establishment, whether it's pastors or the people that have kind of built the system that we've been brought up in in the church world. We believe in the, the narrative of the starving pastor. We are very comfortable with the idea of a pastor who can't afford to take his family on a nice vacation, who can't afford to drive a very decent vehicle, who isn't putting much aside for retirement, who's just barely scraping by. We are all very comfortable with that pastor. We don't know what to do with a pastor who's thriving financially. Well, guess what? At Entree Pastors, we're done with that narrative. I reject the narrative of the starving pastor, and I'm here to help a whole bunch of pastors find a disruptive way to do ministry. How does that sit with you? Does that make you nervous? Does that make you angry? Does that make you kind of push away? Or are you leaning in right now going, sign me up for that? Talk to me about that. Well, depending on how you answer that question would lead me to you know point to whether you are an old wineskin or a new wineskin, because all the old wineskins right now are pushing back against that idea. They don't like that. How about this one? Ministry doesn't have to look like full-time, vocational, professional, pastoral work. Nothing wrong with that. That's traditionally what the religious establishment has been kind of comfortable with. That's what we were told pastoring is and should be, and there's a lot of baggage that goes with that. Well, what if there's a disruptive idea that says maybe that isn't how it's supposed to be? Or maybe at least that's not how it needs to be for everybody. Maybe it's okay to serve as a pastor and not do it full-time and not do it as a profession, as a vocation. It's not the thing that provides the income for me. My income actually comes from a business. Is that okay? Well, if you're a new wineskin, that's fine. If you're an old crusty wineskin, that's heresy, what I just said. Of course, the only way to really do ministry right 
and to do church the right way is to go to Bible college and seminary and then apply for a job at a church and then work full time and only do that thing and be happy with whatever meager salary you're given. And that's what it is to be a pastor. Well, I reject that. Um, I'm, I'm looking for some disruptive ideas that says, well, maybe it doesn't have to be that way. Here's one. And I, I have a feeling most pastors will like this, except maybe some unhealthy ones would push back. How about the disruptive idea that says the pastor doesn't have to be the one doing all the work of the church? Not only is that a disruptive idea, that's a biblical idea. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. The reason I say an unhealthy pastor may not like that is because I have found in my years of ministry and being in pastoral ministry and coaching pastors that sometimes, not always, sometimes pastors go into ministry for the wrong reason. They are unhealthy, they're codependent, they need to be needed, and they kind of like all the accolades and strokes of the ego that come from being the one doing all of the work of the church. And so they may not like that disruptive idea, uh, but most pastors, I think, would lean into that and go, no, that's actually kind of how it should be. And and yet, and yet, what's normal in church world is to see the pastor doing most of the work, if not all of the work of the church it's on the shoulders of one really overworked, underpaid, tired person who's neglecting a lot of other important areas of their life. So I'm I'm all about a disruptive new idea that says, nope, we're not doing that anymore. It doesn't have to be that way. All right, this next one is, I promise, a disruptive idea. You're not going to hear this celebrated in any groups of pastors. Are you ready? You're sitting down. You better pull off to the side of the road if you're driving because this may just be a little bit too disruptive. I'm going to spend 80% of my time focused on business and the other 20% of my working vocational professional time that is focused on church. Ooh, that goes against the grain of what we've been told a good pastor looks like. I mean, a good pastor should spend 100% of their focus on the church and 0% focused on business or maybe said in other ways, um, a good pastor spends 100% of their focus on the church and then maybe 20% on business. And if I'm doing my math right, that's 120%, and that math doesn't math out very well. Um, What if we actually gave pastors permission to spend more of their time focused on the thing that's actually putting money in their account and paying the bills and providing for their family and with whatever's left over, with what they're able to give, they lean into the part of the church where they bring the most to the table. So maybe that's, you know, leadership, maybe that's teaching, maybe that's, you know, some of those pastoral gifts that they bring to the table. And well, what does that mean for the rest of the body? Well, it might mean that there's others in the body that just flat out have to step up and do what the other body parts were always supposed to be doing in the first place. But, you know, I know that's a disruptive, radical idea for what normal church looks like for a lot of people. So that's an uncomfortable one. And it does, I'm just made up those percentages. They they could be adjusted as needed, but pastor, what if, what if you leaned into a model of pastoring where you put more focus on business and providing for your family than showing up for a nonprofit that's not profiting very well? You know, anyway, how about this one? The way The place and the times of when we gather as a body look different than Sunday morning. Heresy. Determine, you know, depending on where you would dare to mention such an idea. Like, 
I'm not prescribing this for everybody. If it still works best for your church to meet at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, praise God. I, I know why we do it. I know why historically church has, has been built to look like that. But I'm just saying it's a disruptive idea. The way we gather, the place that we gather, the times of when the body gathers might look different than what it used to in the past. It's just a disruptive idea. And if that makes you uncomfortable or angry, chances are that's an indicator of some old wine skinnery instead of a new wine skin goes, okay, maybe, I mean, I'm open to it. Not saying we all have to do it like that. Just how does that land with you? I'm just trying to think of examples of disruptive ideas. Uh, here's one more. Ooh, this one's going to, this would not have flown in the church I grew up in. People, church people don't need to hear four different pieces of Bible content delivered by a pastor every week in order to have a healthy Christian walk. Wait a minute. Are you, John, are you, do you dare, do you have the audacity to suggest that modern day Christians do not need to hear a Sunday school lesson, a Sunday morning sermon, a Sunday night sermon, a Wednesday night sermon, all delivered by the same pastor in order to have a healthy Christian walk. That's absolutely what I'm saying. I would contend, I heard this quote years ago, that the average Christian in America is educated beyond their obedience. I'll let that one sit in for a little bit. The last thing most Christians in America need today is another sermon, another Bible study, another curriculum, um, another piece of content. They need to start obeying what they've already been told and they're not doing to begin with. Um, and they certainly don't need that from a pastor to hear from you, pastor. You know, like we need you to prepare all these different pieces of content. It's probably good enough for you to prepare one sermon for your church. And again, that's a disruptive idea. I know it's becoming a little bit more modern of a, and, and again, the old wineskins would say that's compromise and we're moving away from, you know, from the integrity of the way things used to be. Well, whoever said that we needed four different, five different pieces of Bible content all presented by the same pastor in order for me to have a healthy Christian walk. There is so much endless supply of good content, podcasts, YouTube channels, sermon series, you know, books, Bible studies, you name it. Great stuff. I'm not knocking any of it. I'm just saying the average Christian doesn't need more times and services and programs to show up to. And and if they need it, pastor, they don't need you to be the one delivering all of it. And if they need that from you, then what are they paying to make that possible? You know? So again, these are not in any particular order. I'm going to wrap it up here, just keeping an eye on the time. I want to keep this somewhat short, but you get where I'm going with this. These are all somewhat a little bit disruptive, a little bit edgy, a little bit controversial, maybe a lot of bit edgy, depending on who you ask. But how you respond to these, how you think about these is just a bit of an indicator about, do I lean toward being the old wineskin that rejects disruptive ideas and methodologies, or do I lean more toward being a new wineskin that I'm pliable, I'm flexible, like, yeah, okay, I can see this, I could work with that, I could adjust that. Um, so how does that land with you? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Here's a great place to share your thoughts. Let me give a quick call to action. We have a free group on Facebook called Entree Pastors Connect. If you go to Facebook and just search for Entree Pastors Connect, you'll find our group. It's a private group. It's not you know for everybody to be in. You have to apply to be in it, but we're just going to make you answer a few questions. We're going to look into your social media profile, make sure you're a real person and uh, that we don't see any major red flags, but 
uh, hopefully we can bring you into the community and let you be a part of the conversation that's happening there. I'd love to hear your feedback on this. What do you think about disruptive ideas and methodologies? See, I'm inspired and encouraged when I hear a pastor or a thinker coming up with new and creative ways of what church can look like and ministry can look like. I'm energized by those conversations. Not saying everybody has to run off with every new idea, but I like when someone's thinking down that road of being creative and innovative and pioneering new thoughts. I don't ever want to be an old wineskin. I want to be a new wineskin. I hope that's true of you as well. Thanks for tuning in this week, guys. God bless. We will see you for part three on tomorrow's episode. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.